Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, The Daily Struggle with Michael. And uh, I come back because I wanted to answer a question. I've been getting questions about my addiction and my alcoholism. And one of the questions I'm going to answer today is going to be uh, in reference to what made me decide to quit drinking. And to be honest with you guys, man, I'm going to take it back. <laughs> so back in 2016, uh, whenever I started really actually drinking and uh, started trying to chase away my problems, I actually enjoyed it. Honestly and truly, whenever I first started, I enjoyed it because uh, it kind of made me forget everything and made me have the feeling that everything was okay. So I started drinking and I started partying with people. It seemed to bring out a lot of personality in me or so I thought. And, uh, but anyhow, when I was around people, you know, people would start laughing and, uh, people had a lot of fun being around me and we used to have bonfires and stuff like that. So where I'm, where I lived at at that point in time was in Georgia. And, you know, of course where I lived at, everybody had bonfires and, uh, we used to, you know, just sit around and drink and stuff like that. So it started off, you know, somewhat innocent, uh, as far as partying and stuff. But then I started realizing that. Uh, I was having hangovers and I was starting to stress things. Well, one drink turned out to be a couple of drinks, and it was one of those situations where it was like, eh, once a month, once a no, once every couple of weeks, once every other week, once every week, um, once every other day, and then you know, of course, it became a, a daily struggle. And <clears throat> honestly and truly, I didn't even really see it coming over me for a while. You know, I, I had a, I was married at the time. Or, well, divorced, but the woman that I was married to before my divorce said that, that I was heading down the road of, of having a drinking problem, and I didn't, of course, I didn't pay that no attention, because um, I didn't believe I actually had a problem at that time, but once I started uh, drinking almost every day, you know, I started thinking about those things, I started thinking about the things that were said about how this was going to be uh, an actual issue, and let me tell you guys, if you have any um, you know, alcoholism or anything like that in the family, you know, that's something to be aware of. Now for myself, believe it or not, my mom and my dad, neither one of them had alcohol issues. So it really, really, uh, didn't concern me that I would have an alcohol problem. Well, <clears throat> whenever you start drinking, you start highlighting a lot of the mental capacity in your head as far as your emotions. So if, you're upset about something and you start drinking. Well, then you start thinking about all the things that upset you. Or if you're happy when you start drinking, you start thinking of all the things that make you happy. Um, you know, and it just kind of turns into a whole emotional roller coaster. And for me, that, at first it was a uh, happy emotions. Uh, I didn't really feel anything. And I, I tried not to think about, you know, my life and the things that were going on in my life with my parents passing and, you know, two failed divorces, and I had issues, you know, at that time. My son's house burnt down, and it was just a lot <laughs> that was going on. So, uh, at first, it started off kind of harmless, you know. It felt like a typical, you know, you get a good buzz going, and you're laughing about everything, and you're enjoying life. And then, uh, progressively, started getting to a point where you, you need more alcohol, and then you get to a point where you're uh, dehydrated and uh, so you're trying to drink enough water to balance out your alcohol work life <laughs> I guess is how you'd say it um, but eventually it does take control eventually you start losing everything 
uh, that's something I was not aware of. I was not aware that you could lose. Um, you could actually start losing things. And that was a big uh, learning experience for me. So anyhow, to say it went from being happy and, you know, having a good time to I started getting anxiety. And then I started having uh, little issues with uh, stress, anger, uh, drinking myself in excess to a point where when I'd wake up the next morning, I would see text messages I would send to people or phone calls. And God only knows what I've said to, to people. And uh, it started getting worse. Uh, of course, in the beginning, you know, you kind of ignore that. You kind of ignore what people say because you want to continue doing what you're doing. And that was me. I was going from job to job, losing jobs, wasn't able to hold down anything, wasn't able to hold down friendships, relationships. Eventually, the addiction became more important than people, place, or things uh, around me. And uh, it had gotten to a point where I started getting sent to the hospital, or well, I was literally going to the hospital because I was having uh, problems with uh, getting dizzy, and I couldn't understand, you know, what, what, what was happening to me, because this is kind of a, all of a sudden started coming out of nowhere, and uh, when I got to the hospital, my blood pressure at the time was like 216 or like 160 or something like that, it was extremely high, I was seeing spots at that point in time, that's when I realized that I had uh, blood pressure problems, and of course, I'm assuming that we had high blood pressure problems in my dad's side of family, uh, which is probably the reason why he had a massive heart attack, um, but I knew then, after the first time of going to the hospital, uh, experiencing that, I was like, okay, this is actually causing some real health issues. Like, I'm, I'm getting to a point where I started getting scared. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you start getting to a point where you're scared, um, that's a really dangerous place to be because drinking only intensifies it. You know, however, stop stopping drinking also intensifies it. And so you're really caught in a place that's a really hard struggle on figuring out what it is that you can do and what it is you can't do. You know that you don't want to keep continue to drink because you're realizing at this point, and of, course, and of course, keep in mind, guys, I was smoking cigarettes too, which was another thing that was raising blood pressure and stuff like that too. But, uh, but keep in mind, you know, when you get to a place where you realize that whenever you start drinking, uh, you're starting to actually have reactions to it. That's really scary. And at the same time, you know, not being able to quit because when you quit, you start going into shakes, you start getting dizzy, you start, things don't make sense, you're getting headaches, you're getting migraines, uh, cold sweats, and uh, all kinds of stuff starts happening when you start trying to quit drinking. And I know for me, I uh, was I was really falling really hard on those issues, and I would try to quit drinking. And I think... The longest it lasted for me, uh, for the most part, was about three days. And then my body would just, I would start stressing. I'd start having anxiety attacks, panic attacks. Um, couldn't calm myself down. Couldn't sleep. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a very uh, rough time for me. Eventually, I wound up going from my hometown and going about four hours away to get into a rehab. Now, the reason why I wanted to get help for myself was after a couple of years, I started realizing that I was alone. I had nobody around me. And it had gotten to a point where I wasn't even getting my son 
every other weekend. And, I, and at this point, I was going months, uh, close to a year without seeing my son. And it was definitely having a devastating toll on me. Now, I will say that I started hitting my knees and praying uh, because it got to a point where I couldn't do it myself. I wasn't able to, to quit drinking on my own. I, I would try and I would fail over and over and over. And I would end up uh, in my room because uh, I stayed in motels uh, the last two years for the most part. I stayed in motels and uh, literally stayed on the couch in, in the hotels and just drank in excess. And uh, I remember getting to a place where I was like, this is bigger than me. I need help. So I started praying. I started hitting my knees and praying and asking God to please deliver me from this. And when I tell you guys that I was praying this prayer like night after night after night, um, and I'm talking about crying, bawling my eyes out, and I, even the ugly cry, like that's that's the kind of crying I was doing. And, you know, it was very hard as a, as a grown man to be able to come forward and say, hey, you know, I have a problem. I'm an alcoholic. You know, we live in a society where, People don't allow men to share their emotions or their feelings. So for a man to be able to come out and admit, you know, that he's an alcoholic and that, you know, he's not doing right by his kid and that he's actually failing at the things in life. Uh, pride becomes an issue at that point, you know. And so you start dealing with those emotions. And you start fighting those emotions of wanting to... Uh, Get yourself together but you have to put yourself in a vulnerable state to be able to admit your faults and I remember the first time I admitted that I was an alcoholic I had uh went about four hours away and I ended up at this hospital um this was in Atlanta Georgia actually I ended up at this hospital now the night before I had probably drank five or six four locos um there's no reason why I should have survived that night but I, I did. And, uh, and the funny thing is, too, guys, you know, I, I would ask God all the time, man, if you just let me get through the night, I, I'm going to put it down. I'm going to quit doing it. And I failed night after night, day after day. I would just, I would pray and ask, and I would still fail. Everybody drinking. But this this one time, um, I wasn't supposed to, to, to live through it, and I knew it. And God got me through it. I got up the next morning, and I called a friend. And I was taken to the hospital. And I'm going to be honest with you, it was more relieving than anything when I got to the hospital. And I went up to the front desk and I told the lady behind the desk, I said, uh, I'm here uh, because I'm an alcoholic. And, you know, it, when I finally admitted it, it was the greatest feeling I ever felt in my entire life. And I was thinking to myself, why did I hold on to this for so long? You know, and you could tell the woman was super excited that I was turning myself in. And uh, so I volunteer, I voluntarily, you know, turned myself in. And the cool thing about Georgia was at that time, and uh, I'm sure they still have programs and stuff like that. They accepted me. I had no insurance or nothing like that. And they put me in a hospital bed. And it was amazing because I had a uh, uh, an older officer I'll never forget. He sat beside me as I was laying in the bed and he just talked to me and he was telling me how he was an alcoholic and he just kind of prophesied over me and just kind of put his hands on me and, you know, much pretty much told me that I was going to have a beautiful future and I had a lot to look forward to. And 
I'm going to tell you guys, man, it's such an emotional moment whenever you have another adult come up to you and actually care about you. Even when it's a stranger, I think it makes more of an impact when it is a stranger because you got this person that deeply cares about you and you don't have anything to offer and they just care about you because they care about you. It was a very, very emotional moment that I had with this officer. They... I guess put, you know, they had IVs in me and stuff, I guess, to uh, get whatever was in me out as far as alcohol and then, of course, rehydrate me because um, I don't even know how I was able to get out the car to walk into the hospital. I was, that was that, that broken down. So once that happened, uh, another officer came in and he transported me in the back of his car to a rehab facility. And I'm going to tell you guys, man, so I get to this facility, right? I've never been to anything like this before. So you got to keep in mind that I was in Georgia for like 20-something years. I haven't really ever done anything on my own, ever. I've always had somebody with me. So this was the very first time that I kind of stepped out of my comfort zone and did something for myself. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you, I was petrified. I was scared. But I was excited at the same time because I knew I was getting help. And... The thought that was going through my mind was, I can't, if I hurry up and get this, you know, and get myself together, then I can at least show my son, you know, that he was worth me getting rid of my addictions, that, that he meant that much. I wanted him to realize how much he meant to me because I know the feeling of abandonment. I had uh, felt abandonment issues from my father. So I knew that he was feeling those abandonment issues and I wanted to kind of save, save that. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, you know, any, any one of you out there that has addiction problems, if you have the want to better yourself and get yourself together, don't feel so much pride that you don't allow yourself to go into a rehab. Because I'm going to tell you what, man, I was alcoholic for four years. That four years went by very fast. It almost felt like three weeks. It really, really went by fast for me. I, I, I started drinking one day. And then I woke up four years later, and that's what it felt like. And, uh, you know, looking back now, it's hard to remember the emotions I was going through because luckily God blocks that. <laughs> so, but anyhow, so I get into this rehab, and I'm going to be honest, man, it was the coolest experience ever. I met a lot of great people in there, people that had all types of addictions. And uh, I'll never forget, I used to get so excited because they used to have these graham crackers that they used to hand out to everybody and peanut butter. Don't don't ask me why. I don't know why, but I thought that was like the greatest thing ever. And uh, but it was it was such a great experience. I was sitting there playing Uno with you know some of the people and stuff like that. But the cool thing is is then after the seven days of us going through the the rehab. Me and this other guy, we actually became kind of friends while we were in there. And we were getting transported to the same facility after that. Because the rehab was more like a, I guess to kind of figure out what's going on with you and what medications you need. And then after seven days or so, then you get sent to um, like a 30-day live-in. And uh, I had no idea what to expect on a 30-day live-in. But... I'm going to tell you guys, man, We when we finally got sent to the new place, it was one of those places where it was like these little apartments, and they're really nice apartments, don't get me wrong, they're out in the middle of nowhere, but they're very nice, and it, it was a really good experience because it was like six or seven um, apartments, and, and they were you know double 
or it was six apartments, but they were double apartments. Um, and it was absolutely amazing, man. Cause you got to meet like, I think there was like 10 or 15 of us guys out there and you can go out there and have like a bonfire and we get to cook in the kitchen and they take us grocery shopping once a week. Now, one of their rules, which I thought was, um, absolutely awesome. And I really, really am so grateful that I experienced this, but one of their rules was to take all of our electronics. We weren't allowed on a computer. We weren't allowed on any kind of cell phones, nothing. And I'm going to tell you guys, I don't know if you've ever detoxed from your electronics or anything like that, but I'm going to tell you that was the most peaceful time of my entire life. That 30 days was the fastest 30 days I've ever had. I, I wish that would have lasted at least a half a year. Um, and I even told the facility that it's a wonderful facility. I think it's called Transitions in uh, Griffin, Georgia. And absolutely if you're in that area or around that area and you have the opportunity to take that program, then I'm telling you now that it's an amazing program. Uh, but we got to experience that. And so I didn't have to worry about social media. I didn't have to worry about what people thought of me because it took all that away. And they gave us opportunity to go to – we actually went to school every day. And it was like a behavioral, uh, behavioral class or something like that. So we got to learn about our emotions and stuff like that and uh, – the, the triggers and the things that caused uh, alcohol and the effects that it had on us. And um, so it was absolutely one of the best things that I've ever experienced. And then we also, you know, they didn't have us work or anything like that. We would do that and then we would have to do like uh, some kind of volunteer work where we hand out plates or something like that. So the experience altogether was just absolutely phenomenal. And then you realize when you go into a place like this, you start to understand that you're not the only person, that there are so many people out here lost and there's so many people out here dealing with emotions and going through things. And it's very humbling whenever you go through an experience like that, because you realize that it's not just about you. And I'm going to tell you, if there's one thing I've learned within my my growing up and coming out of my addiction and my sobriety, honestly, is it's not about me. And I made it about me. I was a very selfish person, and I made it about me. And, uh, you know, now that I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize the importance of things in life. And I was realizing I was literally sitting on a couch drinking myself to death, and I wasn't even experiencing anything. And when you're sitting there watching movies and you got these people that are traveling overseas and they're going to beautiful uh, like places like Aruba or you know they get waterfalls and jet skiing and going on yachts and you know doing those things and you're just sitting there and you're realizing that all I do is sit here and drink and eventually I'm gonna be nothing and you look around and you have nothing and there's nobody and you got nobody to call because everybody knows you're an alcoholic. Uh, it definitely gets to a point in life where it becomes very lonely. And if you don't watch yourself, then you're going to slip into the hole that you can't get out of. And I was definitely teeter-totting around that hole for sure. And I'm really glad that I had the want and the drive to get myself together. And, I, you know, to be honest with you guys, if you have somebody in your family or friends that are struggling with addiction, they have to have the want to better themselves in order for you to be able to help them properly. And I had come to a place where I had to want it for myself. And the reason why I say this is because if I would have gotten any help within the first year or two of drinking, I would have definitely declined any offers to anybody because I was so self-absorbed at that time of my emotions and my inflictions that I wouldn't have been able to take 
the consideration of being able to get help for myself. So just be mindful, you know, of that whenever you're trying to help somebody. However, I also want to say in the same regard, don't judge somebody and think that they don't have the opportunity or the ability to change. Everybody has the ability to change. The only thing that they require is the need to want to change. And if they have the need to want to change, then by all means, if you have the opportunity to help a brother or a sister out, by all means do it. So I think for me to answer the question of what made me come out of my addiction, to be honest, I wanted to live. I wanted to see life. I wanted to be a father. I wanted to be a good father. I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted to be a good role model. I wanted to be able to help people. And then after going through rehab and seeing the addictions and stuff like that, I wanted to become somebody that was influential and be able to help other people that are broken. And I definitely got some amazing things that are happening right now where I'm getting the opportunity to help people. And I'm absolutely loving it. I have to definitely um, let you guys know about it here shortly in some uh, in one of my videos for sure. But I don't want to tell too much tonight. <laughs> so, but yeah, it that that's the reason I wanted a better life. And now that I see so many people out here that are going through these things, I definitely have a warm heart, and I definitely want to be able to help uh, these individuals that are broken or lost or going through pains that nobody knows about. And it's okay. You know, it's okay that you're, you know, to not be okay sometimes, you know, and you have to understand that not everybody's perfect. And it, it, living in a world that's so negative and makes you feel like you have to become a perfect person. And that's very false. You do not. We are human beings and that's what we are. We're human beings. So we are not perfect creatures. But with that being said, guys, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys go. I'm really glad that you guys joined me in this episode. And I will definitely see you on the very next episode. Bye.